And just before I um, start, I, I just want to say, I think most of us will, will, will know about it, but Uncle Manny Pandy passed away about a week ago. And so we've got a little bit of a, a space in our hearts that was occupied around here in church um, for many years. And uh, the reason um, I'm just mentioning it right now is that you can keep his family in your prayers, but also the family wanted me just to, to give clarity that there will be a service for Uncle Manny here next Saturday, 10 o'clock. And so you are welcome to join. Amen. Father, thank you that we can be together. We're also just reminded, Lord, that just remembering even Uncle Manny for a moment, that we are here for a purpose, but we will move on to be with you. May we live our lives in a way in a way that we sprint our way into eternity and not stumble our way into eternity. And even as we are here this morning, activate our hearts, touch our hearts, speak to us, lead us, guide us, that we may walk in a way pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Because you are our God. And our heart is, our aim is to love you with all our hearts, all our minds, and all our strength. Open our spirits to receive your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This morning, I want to go for it, overcoming the spirit of fear. Who's ready? Who's ready? Okay, there's a few, there's a few. We should get more of a youth in church. <laughs> There's a lot of energy on a Thursday evening. Yeah, I just felt this on my heart. I didn't know what the worship team had planned, but I, I just think it's something we need to address maybe a couple of times in the year, and I just felt it heavy on my heart since about two weeks ago. So, so let's do it. I'm also reminded of what Pastor Andre said last week. He said, and each and every time in his life where they was a storm, when he was confronted with a storm, the storm ceased when Jesus arrived or at his word. What is going on in your life? What will bring an end to my storm, to your storm? It is the presence of our dear Lord, amen, and his direction in it. And this morning, my heart is to really dig into a specific passage that's got a lot to say about dealing with the spirit of slavery and fear and see if I can help us, give us some tools and a game plan to beat the enemy. And so we're going to read Romans 8 from verse 13 to 16. And I'm almost only going to tap from this passage right here. Now Romans, if you're going to Google scriptures about fear, Romans 8 verse 15, if we go to that next slide, will pop up somewhere on your feed. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption 
but when we cry out, Abba, Father. Another scripture that you'll find, which is not on the screen, is possibly 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. And the same writer says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, and God has not given us a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So it's safe to say, one leads to the other. But if we look at Romans 8 here, we, we see an interesting lineup up to verse 15. It says 4 in verse 13, 4 in verse 14, 4 in verse 15. Nie vier nie, vir die Afrikaanse mense, daarop, okay? <laughs> and so what we have is we've, we've got scriptures that's being hooked together in a passage. Okay, this passage is supposed to be a sandwich that gets eaten together. Okay, for different ones, for different sly only. Here you have to bite through the sly blar. Okay, you have to, and you have to chew it together to understand how to deal with the one part. It goes better together. Like ham, ham works better with cheese. And ham and cheese for me works better on a croissant. And so this scripture is a little bit like this. Take it together. And I'm going to try and isolate some parts of it to put it together for us. How to overcome the spirit of fear. You did not receive a spirit of fear. Now, the first thing, I just want to get into it straight away, is... It says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And one, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, you've not received a spirit of fear. And so what, what Paul is trying to do is tell you and me that there's something that can be received which should not be received. Because the thing that can be received in this instant is not from God. I know this is basic, but just, just, just sit on it. There's a spirit of fear or a spirit of slavery that can help you on your way to fear and anxiety, which can be received by a human, but it should not be received. Because it is not from God. And what this helps us with, to spell it out like this, it helps us to put a face on it. And the first thing I want to say about just being vigilant and gearing up against the spirit of fear is that you have to take it personally. Go to that next slide. Recognize there's an opponent and take it personal. Listen, he's not in the headlines of a newspaper, okay? He's nowhere close to it. He's not in the headline. We're not going to talk about demons always. But let's just recognize there's something I can receive and allow into my home that is not to be received and is not to be allowed into my home. And by making it personal like that, it helps us to activate ourselves to be victorious in battle. Now, we... <laughs> so... I played rugby for a number of years in Pumalanga for a club called Sasol in Secunda. And we played against uh, some good forces in rugby. One of them was Vitbank. Vitbank used to be the home of the Pumas. And so they had a lot of Pumas leftovers there. 
guys that used to play for the Pumas and they stayed behind. And we, we struggled for a number of years to, to get them. Now, I'm sorry, ladies. Like, the men will understand what I'm about to explain now. But you know, you'll, you'll do shadow runs like a day or two before your game. Who knows what a shadow run is? Okay, so you'll get the team together and you'll practice your move. But the thing about a shadow run is you're not taking contact because it's just before the game. And so you're often running against no one. You're just running on an open field. Make sure everyone is where they need to be. But often you'd be like, you'll have a kind of a, your guard will be down in a shadow run because there's no real opponent. And so sometimes the ball will fall on the ground and people will knock the ball and you're like, ha ha, laugh about it. And then the coach will get mad. Like, listen, how can you knock the ball in practice and expect to keep the ball in the game? Because here's the thing. If there's not an opponent in front of us, we tend to be chilled. We tend to not be vigilant. So what we did at the club is we had people running with T-shirts where we, we, we taped the jersey that looks like that team on their chest to to go against us when we do our shadow run and what we would be reminded of is we are practicing to face these guys and suddenly we would be vigilant suddenly everyone is where it needs to be because we you know when i see that jersey when i take it personal i know i want to beat them i don't want to faff around here i want to be victorious and so so we had a saying we said uh when we played the refs became very harsh and high tackle still today. So we said we always want to be onside. In other words, a meter behind the ruck. And we always want to tackle a meter under the neck. We had like, remember meters, guys. And the moment those jerseys came out, you should see the team take function or take form. Everyone's a meter behind the ruck. Everyone hits low because we are activated. We're seeing the enemy. And the same with the schemes of an enemy. Being vigilant puts a posture in you ready for battle. Are you with me this morning? Uh, so the one day, your friends can help you with this. And my wife and I, we often help one another. Sometimes I'm down and this thing comes in and my wife will just come and speak the word that will help me be vigilant. She will say something like, this thing is not going to take us down. This thing. Because there's an opponent and we would be vigilant again. One day I'm driving home and my wife told me, you know, you can't pain, you can't pain, you can't pain. You know, it's just like, oh, it's all these things going on. And, and there's someone that wants me to receive him in this situation. It's a spirit of slavery. He wants me to start thinking, oh, I'm not going to make this week. Oh, you know, I don't know if we're going to make it. And start dwelling and speaking about it. He's crying out to me, receive me. And as I'm going home, I just feel on my heart when my wife opens the door, uh, as I walk in, I will declare for us that we will not receive a spirit of fear into this home because we're going to take it personal. And I walked in and I said, we are not going to receive a spirit of fear. There might be ear pain, maybe it will get healed. There might be this pain, maybe it will get healed. But it doesn't matter what it is. The spirit of fear will have none of it. Okay, and so sometimes it helps to take it personal. Don't make your heart so open that everything can come in. Be vigilant around your heart. It is precious. Amen.
So this doesn't, this doesn't indicate any direction yet. It doesn't give us any strategy yet except to be vigilant as a whole. Right, now let's go to the text and let's become a little bit more, more precise. What do we do here? Okay, so we're starting at verse 13 and it's, and it's building to 15. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That, that's, he, he lays it straight. I mean, this is, I mean, just listen to this. Imagine a pastor preaches um, like this, and it'll be the word. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. Okay? If you live, if, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of a body, you will live. Okay, bye. <laughs> it's a true word, but it, it, it is written. It is tough. What he's saying is, if you do not kill sin, sin will kill you. That's what he's saying. So, there's a robber in your house, or maybe he's still on the porch who wants to get in. He's got a gun, and you've got a gun. He has already pulled the trigger, and I'm still faffing around. This is what this verse says. Be vigilant. He wants to kill you. He wants to take you out. Now, listen to the guidance verse 13 gives you. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Will you read with me? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Can we do that again? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Can you see that the posture of the work of the Spirit in verse 13, in the context of moving to the spirit of slavery, the posture of a verse in verse 13 is not protective, but corrective. Look carefully. Verse 13 says, the Spirit wants to come to you and correct you. If you put to death the deeds of a body, you will live. Okay. Now follow me here. I figure this point, number two, is, that, is, the, is the toughest one. So don't, don't tap out here. I'm going to use an example here. You're a mom. Not really. Okay, if you're a man, you're a man. Just, just as an example. You're a mom, and you've got a daughter, and she's growing up. Okay. One day, something comes to you and tells you your daughter should be more like that person's daughter. Just a thought. And you take it. You're on the internet, how to do this, how, how do you're on Instagram, you're going, and you're now trying to help your daughter to be whatever you are seeing, successful, pretty, I don't know, just to be more like that girl. And, and now you are helping her. You're buying the right things, you're having the right conversations, and one, two, three weeks down the line, you are stressed out because she is not getting it. And she's feeling the tension, you feeling the tension, and, and this might be, it might sound like a stupid example, but we do it unintentionally, okay? 
And now you become discouraged. Why? Why would my daughter, daughter just not get it? She will be so good. She'll be so successful. If she can just get this, in fact, then people will also see I'm a good parent. You know, if she can just get it. And you've just welcomed a visitor there. Now, you go, this thing blows up in your face. There's tension in your heart, tension at home. You go to your awakened group, because you're a mom. And awakened is a woman's ministry. And you share your heart with your friend, and your friend is full of the Lord, and your friend says, what are you doing? It's a good friend. Only the good friends will tell you that. Why are you putting this pressure on your daughter? That is that person's daughter. And this is your daughter. Uh, She's beautifully made in her own way. You should not do that. And you, having a heart for the Lord, right there, accept the correction, like you should. And you repent of your sin. And asnot and astrana. And prayer. And you stand up and you say, why do I feel free? Why do I feel so light? Nothing has changed. My daughter is exactly the same. Why, why am I free at this moment from this thing that was on me if nothing in my circumstances changed? Because that is what verse 13 is teaching us. Sometimes what you need is not what your heart wants, but your heart needs to be corrected and brought back to what God thinks you need. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the death of the heart, in certain times the freedom from the spirit of slavery and fear lies not in the change of your circumstances, but the realignment of your heart. The one who will walk humbly before the Lord, the one who will make himself correctable, will have less of a spirit of fear than the one that is stubborn. May the Spirit of God correct you. May He realign your course. May He ask you to drop something and you will do it. You will be free. Celebrate spiritual correction as a victory over Satan. The one who sees correction from the Lord, not as a curse, not as a bad thing to be ashamed of, but as victory because God is interacting with me, God is speaking with me. He's actively guiding me. And sometimes he's encouraging me to go stronger on something. And sometimes he's correcting me. He he reels me in. He brings me in. And there's a part of my desires that I hand over. I cut off. And he may do that to me. That one will be free. Are you with me this morning? But let's go on because it's not all. Verse 14, but the one who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, the, the idea of the word led there is, is leading, to drive, to lead away from, or to guide. But the, the main idea there is to be of a present continuous reality. 
Okay, so in contrast, what, what Scripture is not saying here, the one who was at one moment led to salvation, all right? No, that happens by the Spirit. But what this verse is indicating, the one who was led by, by the Holy Spirit into salvation and continues to be led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God indicating a work of growth in your life sanctification he's working with me i'm holding on to him he's holding on to me we are in this together and there's a very important thing that, that the apostle paul writes here before he takes us because right after this verse he says four he says for all who are led by the spirit of god are the sons of god and then he says for you did not receive a spirit of slavery and what he's saying, the one who is busy with God, interacting with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, does not have space for another. He's already busy. He's already occupied. He's already engaging. The spirit of slavery, a different spirit, comes to Because you are being led and you are interacting with the Holy Spirit. Grow continually by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what this tells us, to overcome spirit of fear or demonic powers does not need for you to become an expert of all the type of demons out there. What their names are, what they like, are they in the water, are they in the sky, and now you become a demon expert. That's not what Scripture teaches us. It asks us to pull deeper into this Holy Spirit. Because if you know Him, you recognize the voice of a stranger. You see, God is in my focus. He's, in my, he's the one I keep my vision on. And I want to actively engage with him. And when I hear the voice of a stranger wanting me to receive him, I say, mm, this is not him. Because I know him. We speak daily. One of your best ways to build your immunity against the spirit of fear is to be engaging with the Holy Spirit daily. Receiving His whispers, celebrating victories with Him, being continually encouraged. Almost done. Now, now we're landing on verse 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The Holy Spirit is of another substance. But you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, but when we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That word there, Abba, Father, most translators will say it is intently written in a primal form, which would not be maybe the, even the voice of a four-year-old, but the voice of a one-year-old, da, da, something like this, indicating out of my heart, there's a call to the one I know who is my father. I don't even always know how to express it. But what the scripture says, the one who gets to get it out. That's a work of a spirit. And so if by times you feel overwhelmed, if there's times in your life where you don't know how to pray, scripture says that's all right. Get a cry out. Even that cry is by the Spirit. 
And Romans 8 says he will help you when you pray. You see, the spirit of slavery makes you a slavery of many things out there. It makes you a slave and causes you to be anxious where the Holy Spirit causes you to call on the Father in the midst of the chaos. Distinguish who's busy with you. Shut the door on the one. Cry to your Father. The Apostle Paul had a lot to, I'd say he was very intentional about this verse. Because in the Roman culture, adoption actually happened. But it was almost like part of philanthropy. That's the right description. Where powerful Roman officers or figures would adopt young men, even from their parents, who they... who would be attractive and charismatic and gifted as their own sons to, to make an impact on their balance sheet. All right? So, so taking affluent people and making them your own, it was a thing. But here, what he's saying is that the father wants to adopt you in another way. They want to adopt you onto the balance sheet, but he wants to adopt you onto his lap. To a place where you can say, just dada, and be with him. He really wants to adopt you as a father that loves and cares. And there's a great lesson for us here, because we are tempted in this world to constantly show the world, our friends, our church, the opposite of that last part. We don't want to say, I really need the Father to intervene. I want to say everything is really okay. See, I'm, I'm constantly being led to not cry, Abba Father. It's a temptation. It's, it's, it's a trap for me. And maybe for many of you. What if people know we are struggling? What if people know? Can you see this thing that wants us to receive him, how sly he is? What if people say, what if people know and recognize that the people in this house needs to cry, Abba, Father, because we are out of our depths? I'll do anything as long as no one knows we are struggling. Come on, that's an unbiblical view of life. It's unbiblical. Because the one that we should receive encourages us to cry. Because you know what? There's someone that cried two months ago that today is ready to help. Because we are a body. And this is very interesting. The one who cries, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are God. If you often do it, the bond to the Father gets established every time. You know, verse 16, you you know, look, everything's not perfect in my life, but I know I'm on his lap. And sometimes, like my my daughter, she's on here, but she wants to (laughs) dive off. And I know I'm with God like that sometimes. I know sometimes I just want to, I don't want to go to the dishwasher. Like All babies love the dishwasher. You know where the knives are? That's where they want to go. 
sometimes I'm, I'm like, want to make my way off the Father's lap, but there's one thing I know, verse 16, I know, I know I'm his child. I know I'm his. And so when there's another visitor at my door, no, no, no. I don't live with this thing. This thing must go. You see, proximity to God is the key to victory over the spirit of fear. James 4 verse 8. Draw near to God. He indicates to your heart what is there. He speaks to you. Then, rebuke the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Number one, draw in. Number two, take action. Why is it so important, the spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father? It is very important for us because here's the thing. Well, let me just say two things. Firstly, you might be strong today. You might be strong in this decade, okay? Or in the next two or three decades, I don't know. But there will come a day. There will come a day where you will need to cry, Abba, Father. On that day, let me just say it this way. Cry it now often so that when you are in a storm and you cannot see, that your heart knows the words to cry, Abba, Father. So even if in the natural you find yourself strength and in control, find a way to cry, Abba, Father. It is a lifeline that each and every human will need. Some of you will recognize this from Scripture. When you're on the Father's lap, there is no fear in love but perfect love, where do I find perfect love? On the Father's lap. Cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. How do I overcome the spirit of fear? Allow the spirit to lead you to the Father's lap. This is not everything on overcoming the spirit of fear. This is one portion of scripture. But that's a good place to start. Let's be victorious. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. I just want to ask all the small group facilitators, all the facilitators, people from intercession, just to come to the front. Because we're going to help people this morning. Just to make your way to the front, just to offer to pray with someone. Because people are going to take their first victory right now. What is a... Lord laying on your heart this morning. What, what is he whispering to you? Maybe just close your eyes for a second. And you tell him, Lord, I want you to tell, show me that imposter. That spirit that was not given by you 
but it want, wants to come to me. Help me to take it personally. Help me to show him a way. Bless your people this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What is he saying to you this morning? How are you doing with fear and anxiety in your life? The Holy Spirit wants to invite you, wants to lead you to get onto the Father's lap and to become free. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray over every person in this place that you will lead each one to freedom, that you will lead each one free from the shackles of a spirit of slavery that leads us into fear, that we may breathe, that we may live, we may be free again. We just experience life like a child without fear, just charging into our families with excitement and hope for a change. Going to work with hope, not with this thing setting on us, Lord. I pray for freedom for your people. Lord, I intercede for your people. I pray that you will help, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. We, we're going we're gonna to trust the Lord to give people their first victories this morning over fear and anxiety. And we're going to pray with you here in front. We've got oil here. We might anoint you. We want to help you. We want to pray for you. And we want to make sure that you are not alone because you're not the only one. We are a body. And so I want to ask you if you can locate fear in your life. And no, no one can do this for you. No one can cry on your behalf. No one can move on your behalf. But if you can locate fear on your life and anxiety, you want to be free of it. Don't deal lightly with it. Pull the trigger. Because it has already fired. And then one thing you can do this morning is to start by saying, I see you and I'm not going to make my home with you and allowing someone to pray with you just as a first step. And the first step of overcoming fear is a fear of people, but that we deal with quickly here. <laughs> By you stepping out and praying with someone. So I'm going to count to three. If you want to get rid of that fear and anxiety, I want you to quickly come out. Some people are already moving. One, two, three. Quickly step out. People are moving all around. And I'm going to be patient. Allowing people to come. We want to pray with you. You tell the person in the front what that fear is and they're going to pray with you. Can I get some more facilitators, please? There's some movement in the house. Is there anyone else? I want to include in this invitation, if you want to reconnect with the Lord, there's a fear for you whether you are connected with the Lord in the way you should be. Can we pray with you also? And if I can just ask you to be bold, to be very confident and just come out and we will pray and minister to you as well. Quickly come out. Is there anyone else? Fear for your marriage, fear for your work, fear for your children, fear for your parents. All those things. Let's locate it. Let's take it personal and trust the Lord for a victory. There's some people still moving. Can I get some more facilitators please in front? 
Thank you so much. People are still coming. I just want to invite you. If it feel, if you are, if you, if you know you need help, but you are afraid to come, I just want to encourage you. That's your first step over fear. Just step out and take your space in front. Make make a make a decision and make a claim. It's your first step against that spirit. You will not have it. You will not take it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for your faith. Is there anyone else? I just want to practice patience to give you the opportunity, enough time to take your step of faith. All right, we've got no spectators here. So what I want to ask is, I want to ask you if, if there's some, still someone around you that you came here with, a family member or friend, if you would just take a seat and just ask them, hey, what popped up for you this morning? Just be kind to them by just asking them, what's turning on your heart? If you feel comfortable, you might ask them, can I also pray for you? But let's, let's have a short conversation. What pop up for you this morning? Let's engage a little bit. You're also welcome to walk over to a friend. If you know your friend is standing somewhere and just engage with him.